Well, hello everyone, Pastor Eric Jarvis here. We're so glad that you could join us for the services this weekend. And i uh, just love to welcome you that are online watching this. Uh, it's so great that you can be part of our church service this weekend. We're going through a series in the book of Acts, and this the next couple of weeks we're labeling this the after effects. If you have been with us, you know Pastor Marty just preached on Acts chapter 2, which was the day of Pentecost, where God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell among his people. And a lot of amazing things happen in church history in this time. And we're going to be studying that in Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, and some of the continuing chapters. Um, so it's really an exciting time period in the church. As I was studying for this, I was reminded of a verse in Isaiah where the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking God's words to them. And they were in a point of discouragement because they were in exile. They had been captives of Babylon. And Isaiah says these words. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, Isaiah is reminding the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is in a place where they are longing for something different. They want things to go back to how it was before. They want to be together as a nation in this, this exile that they're in and the captivity and the oppression that they're facing. Israel's longing for better days. And Isaiah says to them, listen, the former things, those the things of old, you got to let those go because I'm doing a new thing and it's going to spring forth. And it's a good reminder for us as a church, as we study the book of Acts, that God is always doing a new thing. He's always got something different and something new that he's planning for us. And he, re he reminds the, the nation of Israel and Isaiah, and it's a good reminder for us today. Maybe you're tired of how things are right now and you're longing for something new. In the book of Acts, um, after the day of Pentecost, when God sends the Holy Spirit to dwell on his, to dwell with his people, we see a new day starting. We see a new time. It's the church age is beginning. And as we go through this study, I hope you'll be encouraged too that God is always up to something new. He's always got something new planned. I encourage you to look up that verse. It's Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. And take some time in studying that because it'll, it'll really help you with where we are today. And as we read through Acts, I want to just impress upon you that God is taking the church age. He is beginning the church age. He's building it on his disciples and he's adding to the church age every single day. And we're at a place in history where we see the ancient nation of Israel longing for how things used to be, but yet God is doing something new right after the day of Pentecost. And in this, in this study, we see the after effects of what happens when God sends the Holy Spirit and when his children are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing things happen. And the momentum that we see in the book of Acts carries us through into Paul's missionary journeys. So Acts chapter two is the day of Pentecost and it, it has a boldness to it that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for the next three chapters, we're going to notice how all of those after effects come into play as the Holy Spirit descends upon God's people. In fact, the idea that would be in your outline says, being filled with the Holy Spirit has after effects. Those after effects are, provides the church with answers for the lost. It provides the church with answers for the skeptics. And it provides the church with answers for the unhealthy. And this week, we're going to look just at answers for the lost. 
And as we begin in Acts chapter 3, I want you to really focus in on these words that are said and think about what's happening in the church age at this time. So let me pray with you. We'll pray together and then we'll get right into God's word. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you. I pray for everybody joining us online. Um, God, as we look into your word today, as we open it up and we study Acts chapter 3, I pray that you will give us new insight as we look into your word. Help us to look at it with fresh eyes and glean the things from this passage of scripture that you want us to know. God, there's so much in your word that we miss, and I pray that we wouldn't miss the things you have for us today. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be just reading through a few verses, Acts 3, 1 through 11, and you can follow along as I read. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask of alms for those that were entering. Seeing Peter and John go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico that is called Solomon's. It's an amazing story that we read in the book of Acts. And the story that we're reading is Peter and John going to the temple to pray, encounter this man who was lame from his mother's womb, the scripture tells us. And the man is asking for alms and God does something miraculous in this time in the lives of Peter and John and this man. It's an interesting uh, setting if you look at it. They were going to the temple to pray, and the scripture tells us it was the third hour of prayer, which probably means it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, that's important for later stories in the scripture, but there were several hours of prayer that they would have had at the temple during this time period. It's also interesting to note that Peter and John were staying very dedicated to prayer. They were staying committed to their prayer life because they were going there to go pray. You know, the temple was also the place to be, so there would have been a lot of people gathered around this place at this time. And also, Scripture tells us that this man who was lame was being placed at the gate called Beautiful. The Beautiful Gate would have been an entryway into the temple that was mainly used by women. And Scripture tells us and history tells us that the Beautiful Gate was named that because it was painted in Corinthian bronze, which was made to look like gold. Scripture also tells us that people gathered around Solomon's portico and looked down in amazement at the scene. And Solomon's portico would have been a walkway that would have been around the temple and people would have been high up and able to look down and see what was going on. And as you think about that setting of Peter and John walking into this gate and and walking into the situation and people watching, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does a miraculous work. But I found the interesting thing as I was reading this is how the verse starts off. And it says in in 3.1, now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, 
the ninth hour or the third watch, which means they were very dedicated to prayer. And that's point number one in your outline, which um, the after effects of prayer are powerful. And we're going to see how the after effects of Peter and John really being committed to prayer had such a dynamic influence in the beginning building of the church. Acts 3, 1 through 3 says, Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. You know, it's interesting, this man was placed at this gate daily. He probably knew this was a place where he could beg for money or, or beg for the alms and people would be sympathetic to his cause. It was probably a place that um, he was very successful at. And as he sees Peter and John walking up to them, he does what's only natural to him. He asks for alms. And you know, Peter and John stop and they, and they take the time to look at this man, even though they were going for something else. They were going for prayer because they were committed to prayer. They had discipline in their spiritual lives and they were also dedicated to people. And I think we see their heart for people by the way that they stopped and looked at this man who was begging. You know, being disciplined in our spiritual lives is really critical. And when we're disciplined in our prayer life and we're disciplined in our spiritual life and reading God's word, um, we can expect to be in tune with God's heart. We can expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have answers for those that we encounter in life because we encounter people all the time that are hurting that are lost, they don't know about God, they don't know about Jesus Christ, they're dealing with all of life's issues, it's compounding on them, and a lot of times people ask for the wrong thing. Just like this lame man was asking for alms, he was asking for the wrong thing, but it took two guys that were dedicated to their spiritual lives to really give an answer for this. You know, I've encountered people, and, and you have too, and I've also felt this myself, you know, who has the most problems in life? unprayerful people. You know who, who feels the weakest in life or the times when I feel the weakest is when I'm unprayerful. You know the times when I feel overwhelmed and exhausted and feel like I can't answer anybody else? It's when I'm unprayerful, when I'm undedicated to studying the scripture, when I haven't spent enough time with the Lord. All of those things all play into this and make us individuals that are not in tune with the spirit. But not so for Peter and John at this time. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6.19 is a good reminder for us. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit from within you, whom God, whom you have from God? That's an amazing thing to think about. You know, and 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you are not your own. We're the, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to dwell inside of us. And when we're unprayerful people and when we focus on the wrong things, the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within us. We get emptied of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit by praying and asking for it. And we see Peter and John, they're filled with the Holy Spirit as they walk into this temple for prayer. And they have this encounter with this lost man who they are able to give an answer to. You know, at times in our lives when we are unprayerful or we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we see the results of that. My good friend George Stein once told me, uh, and coming home, you know, you think, here's a guy who's a pastor in ministry. I have it all together, right? And every time I come home, I'm just full of the Holy Spirit and ready to share good things with my wife and my kids. And not so. You know, sometimes I struggle with this too. And my good friend George Stein told me, he says, you know, one of the best things you can do 
is figure out who's home before you come home. In other words, don't come in and just dump your day on everybody else because everybody struggles with the same thing. We all have times where we're filled with the Holy Spirit and when we're less than filled with the Holy Spirit. And for me as a husband and as a dad, I need to figure out who's home before I come home and start complaining about things or, or I need to figure out what kind of day they've had and do they need something from the Lord before I respond to them. It was great advice and I still remember it to this day. George was, was a real help to me. The point is we need to be prayerful people. We need to be committed to prayer. We need to be dedicated to prayer and we need to exercise good discipline. Just like these disciples, they were exercising good discipline. It was the third watch, the ninth hour, they were going to the temple to pray. They changed their prayer life. I challenge you, change your prayer life. Be dedicated to prayer because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and there are challenges in our lives, we see the after effects of being filled. And the after effects are, we have answers for the hurting. We have answers for the lost, but we gotta be committed to prayer to do that. Point number one is that prayer has powerful after effects when we stay, when we stay disciplined in our prayer lives. And point number two is that there are after effects to the powerful words that we'll have as a result of being prayerful people that are filled with the Spirit. You know, Hebrews 4.12, we're reminded, it says, for the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's such a powerful reminder of us that our words carry power. And when our words are backed up by God, by the words of Jesus Christ, by the words of scripture, they're even more powerful. And it reminds us in this verse that the word of God is alive, it's active, and we can use those words to impact the lives of others. Peter and John, as they encounter this lame man, they're using their words to impact his life. They're using their words to change his life. This lame man is asking for the wrong thing. He's asking for alms. He's asking for monetary things to make his life more comfortable. But what Peter and John have for him is so much more. Follow along as I read in Acts uh, 3, 4 through 6. It says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow. Peter uses the most powerful utterance he can to accomplish something for this man. He declares the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in that name. See, Peter and John know that this guy is really hurting, you know, and he's asking for something to make his life more comfortable. But they know sometimes we don't have answers for what people are suffering from. You know, you encounter people every day, they could be suffering from a loss. They could be suffering from something going on in their personal life. They could be suffering financially. They could be suffering with their kids. They could be suffering from addictions. I mean, you can, you can pick whatever you want. There are people that we encounter that are suffering. And a lot of times what people want is they want relief from the suffering. But sometimes people go in the wrong direction. They don't know what they need and what they need is Jesus Christ. See, Peter and John knew this. And when they uttered these words, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They're using the most powerful name they can to change this man's life. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit 
helps us to have the right answers for those that we encounter in life that are hurting. And that's exactly what they did. They used the name of Jesus Christ. I had a friend uh, who a long time ago, this guy, Jim Brown, good friend of mine. He was a police officer locally. And Jim, I uh, was working for a security firm. I remember talking to him one time and he was responsible for securing this one area. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I uh, wasn't supposed to let anybody in. I wasn't supposed to let anybody out. I was trying to keep the area secure. And he says, I encountered this, this gentleman who was walking around. And I said, hey, um, you have to leave this area. You can't be here right now. And the guy said to him, he said, oh, it's okay. I know Jim Brown. Now, the funny part of that story is it was Jim Brown asking him to leave the area. And the guy used his name. But his name meant nothing because Jim said, really? I don't know you. I am Jim Brown. I have no idea who you are. You need to leave the area. And, you know, when we use a name in an ill-advised way, we get bad results. When we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're not uh, trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we're not relying on God, you know, God's not responding how we would want Him to respond. Because we're not in tune with His Spirit. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit. If we use a name in an ill-advised manner, it just digs us in deeper, and we don't have the authority to use that name much like in the story, this man didn't have the authority to use Jim's name to get into where he, wherever he was trying to get into. But when we use the name of Jesus, Jesus declared victory over death. Jesus declared victory over suffering. Jesus declared victory over sorrow. Jesus declared victory over pain. Jesus declared victory over all the sin in our lives. Jesus declared victory. It's a powerful name. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we have to have answers for those that are lost or those that are hurting, the most powerful name that we can use is the name of Jesus Christ because he has claimed victory over everything that we face in life. You know, this lame man wanted alms, but the disciples knew what he really needed was victory in his life by understanding what Jesus Christ did for him by dying on the cross. And you know what? We don't have time to read it all, but I encourage you to read the rest of Acts chapter 3 because you'll see that Peter gives a sermon after he they do this miraculous healing. And in his sermon, he describes what Jesus Christ has done for us all. He describes the work that Jesus did on the cross. And that is why they are able to declare the name of Jesus Christ and victory in this man's life who received this miraculous healing. Peter and John were empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's an after effect of being filled by the Holy Spirit. They have answers for the lost and there are powerful words when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, likewise, there are unhelpful words when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a true dichotomy that we live in. And it's why as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can provide answers for those that are hurting and those that are lost in the world that we live in. You know, the after effects of the Holy Spirit is that we have powerful words to say to people. And when we use those powerful words, it changes lives and it changes lives forever. When a person is physically healed, whether or not a person is physically healed is secondary to knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Point number two is when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our words have powerful after effects. And that leads us to point number three, which is there are after effects of God's work. And when we continue on with this story, we see what the after effects are of Peter and John reaching out to this lame man and changing his life with their words. Now there's, there's after effects to the work of God in someone's life. 
I love the way this author and preacher, Rick Renner, uh, who's actually a pastor in Russia, and he, um, he writes this, or he, he, this is a quote from him. He says, dedication is writing your name on the bottom of a blank sheet of paper and handing it to the Lord for him to fill in. See, the after effects include trusting God with the results, trusting God with what's going to happen. And this pastor Rick's just trying to say, listen, if you're really trusting God, then you'd be dedicated to your prayer life. You'd be dedicated to how you use your words to impact the lives of others. And then you have a blank sheet of paper. Whether God chooses to heal someone, whether God chooses to use them in a powerful way or only impact the lives of a small number of people, it doesn't matter. He's saying, trust God with the results. See, the after effects of God's work are not our responsibility. We're only responsible to be faithful to what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. And all the the stuff that comes after that, all of God's working, he's responsible for that. And you better believe that God will work in a powerful way. And that's what this pastor Rick Renner is trying to say is just be committed, you know, Give God a blank sheet of paper. Say, I'm committed, God. How do you want to see this situation work out? How do you want me to impact uh, this person's life? What should I say to them? How should I interact with them? What's going to make the most sense? And trust God with those results. That's really what Peter and John are doing in this story. They're being dedicated to the Lord by going to the temple to pray. They're being committed to the Lord and being committed to his word by using their words of invoking the name of Jesus Christ as they encounter a man who's really hurting in life. And then they're trusting God with the results. And point number three is all about the results, what God does when we're faithful to him. So follow along again as I read in Acts 3. We're going to go through 4 and ten and four through 10 and, and just bring this all home. It says, And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, Look at us. And as he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking around and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement as to what had happened to him. See, the miraculous healing of this lame man is so overwhelming that he can't help but leap up and jump as an expression of joy as to what was done for him. But who did it? Was it Peter and John? No, it was God's work. Scripture says he was praising who? He wasn't praising Peter and John. Scripture doesn't say he he immediately stood up and started leaping and jumping and praising Peter and John. It says, no, he was praising God. See, he was so overwhelmed with this absolute joy that he couldn't help but praise God. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we have these encounters with God where we see God doing a miraculous work in someone's lives or maybe a miraculous work in our own lives, we can't help but praise God. We don't praise the person who prayed for us. We praise God because what of, because of what he's done in our lives to either change our situation or just renew our mind and renew our thinking so that we're no longer consumed with what we thought we wanted. Now we're consumed with the God who loves us the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us and the salvation that we have through him. 
I can't help but think that this lame man, when this happened for him, yes, there was an overwhelming joy that he could finally walk after all these years of never being able to walk. But we see his spirit is just overcome with joy towards praising God because he knew that this was a miraculous work that God had done in his life. You and I see people all the time that they are beaten down by life. They're beaten down by all the burdens that our life has to offer. They have problems maybe in their personal lives or problems in their professional life. Maybe they need healing too. There might be a physical infirmity. And we encounter people like this all the time. But scripture tells us what they need is Jesus. What they need is a savior. What they need is a refocusing instead of that thing that is tormenting them. They need to see the thing that's loving them and the person that's loving them is God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing that we can do for anybody. That is the outpouring of God's work. The story is such a miraculous story that we see in the book of Acts, but it is an outpouring of God's love and his, and God's work through his disciples that are committed to him. See, the real lesson for us, the after effects of the Holy Spirit descending upon people in this church age as people are added to the church daily is that people are in tune with God's heart because he sent his Holy Spirit to descend upon them. And now these people, when they're committed to prayer and they're committed to God's work and they're committed to spreading the gospel, they see the after effects of how that works in the people around them and in their lives around them. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that as the church, be able to spread the gospel, tell other people about Christ and constantly just see the after effects of how God is working in their lives. That's our prayer as we look through this this scripture today is how can we be just like the early church? We need to pray that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we need to pray that God brings people into our lives that we can share the gospel with. You know, one of the greatest joys for me as a youth pastor has been watching students come through the ministry that come through our ministry and as they grow up and as they graduate, they come back and help us serve. And those students then help younger students learn about Jesus Christ and come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's an outpouring of love. It's the the students that have really caught on to what we're doing and they've really caught on to what Jesus Christ can do in their lives and they can't help but share that with other people. I remember a kid in our our youth ministry years and years ago, he used to show up every week and and, um, he wore headphones at youth group. And um, I thought, man, this kid's not listening to anything. You know, he's wearing these headphones. He hasn't heard a word that, we sit, that we've said. He hasn't been listening to, to devotions or anything like that. And as time went on, we started to see differences with this kid where as he got older, he started asking more questions. He started to be more involved with the youth group. He was very committed to things that we were doing. And before long, he graduated and he asked if he could come back and help with the other kids. And as, as we were talking to him, we're like, hey, what's going on with you? You know, I said, I finally got the boldness to ask, you know, you wore headphones all those years. What, um, did, were you listening to us? He's like, yeah, I just wore headphones. He said, I always heard what you guys said. He's like, I accepted Jesus as my savior. And I know that these kids need to do it too. It was an amazing thing. We were blown away by it. And it's just living proof that when we are in tune with the Lord and we are sharing God's word and God's love with other people, even if they're wearing headphones, it doesn't matter. God's going to use those words as a work for his kingdom. And it was a great reminder for me, there are after effects to being filled with the Holy Spirit, being in tune with him, having a committed prayer life, using powerful words and expecting God to work. 
That's exactly what happened in the life of the student. I've seen it over and over through the years. It's a real blessing when you see it happen. But that's what we need to do as believers. We need to be committed to those things. And when we do that, just like this story, Peter and John got to see a miraculous work of the Lord. I bet you you'll get to see a miraculous work of the Lord too. But you got to be committed in your prayer life. You got to use powerful words when you're talking to people. Where do you get those words from? You got to study the scripture yourself so that you have something that you could share with others. And then we have to expect God to work. When we do that, we are in tune with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit too. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way that we do that is we have to ask God. We have to pray and we have to say, God, there's stuff in my life that doesn't need to be there. Push that stuff out and fill me with your spirit so that I can have a powerful impact on those that I encounter today. Finally, we're reminded in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a reminder for us to go beyond ourselves. God has called us not to take these things that we've learned, not to take our salvation, the scripture that we've learned, and bury it so deep that we don't share it with anybody else. Yes, it needs to be buried in our minds and our hearts, but there needs to be an outpouring of that where we share that with others, especially those that are lost, especially those that are hurting. We need to be ready to pray for them and be ready to use powerful words to impact their lives for the kingdom. That's my challenge for you this week to be filled with the Holy Spirit and understand that there are after effects to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And those after effects that you can have a powerful impact on the world around you. God bless you. Have a great week.